Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode, one that I am totally pumped about because it is with a good longtime friend named Keith Miller. Now check this out. Keith literally, in his own words, says that he went from leading a fake life to making multi-millions in the pet care business. But here's the cool part. Here's why you want to tune in. He started the pet care business long before it was trendy. He was one of the pioneers to risk it during the recession when all odds were stacked against him. Find out how he made it thrive in the first six months of getting it going. Plus, Keith is the king of free media, free news, free everything. And he tells you exactly how he taps into all of this free media so that you can apply it to your business. And stick with us all the way to the end because we wrap up by talking about what it's like to work with your spouse. Keith works with his spouse in all of their businesses and he talks about the do's and the do nots and how to make it work. So tune in, listen up. This is going to be awesome. Keith, my friend, how you doing? Hey, Chris, what's going on? Dude, I'm so excited to have you on. First of all, we don't catch up nearly enough. I know. When you used to live in Minneapolis, we would see you guys all the time or we'd watch your dogs. And now you guys decided just to pick up and move to LA and we never see you. No, we're trying to get you guys to move out here with us. I mean, we put on the hard sell, you have to admit. Last time we were there, I do remember you taking us around, showing us all the houses that were available and that we needed to move to. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I would love to move right down the street from you guys. I'm telling you, we have to open up one of your franchises down here. Okay, so let's dive into that, actually, speaking yeah. of your franchises. Now, you come from radio as a radio DJ. How the hell did you ever end up a <laughs> successful entrepreneur? You know, so yeah, I worked in radio for 10 years before opening a doggy daycare and now a dog wash uh, chain. Um, honestly, I was working in Cincinnati. We were on 15 stations every day and I realized I was leading a fake life. Um, you know, we'd pre-record every show. So like Monday we would record Tuesday's show and all that taught me to do was how to be a great liar and basically BS my way through each day. You know, we would talk about what we watch on like the bachelorette on TV on the night before, but I haven't seen it yet. So I can give you a great generic ass answer on nothing. And I honestly just got tired of traveling every weekend, you know, basically lying to people. Then I applied for a job in Minneapolis at a radio station. Great, awesome family run company that actually we modeled our businesses after and just decided, hey, you know what? We just need to take the plunge and go into business for ourselves. So my wife and I basically quit both of our jobs and opened a doggy daycare. And then we met you guys. There's no way it was that simple. You don't go from, eh, I'm leading a fake life. Let's both go into business together, honey, and both quit your jobs. I mean, how'd you do that? You know, a lot of it, it took us a year from like the whole idea of opening a doggy daycare from the planning stages to finding a building and really just realizing, hey, you know what? We have a little money in the bank. You know, to me, my biggest concern was what if we do this and what if we fail? Um, you know, both of our incomes would be based on it. So if we fail, we're living in a trailer somewhere or, you know, even no trailer, just in a, in a tent and we had to win. 
how scary was this on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, holy crap, I don't know why we're doing this. And one being like, eh, no big deal. We'll find something else. How scary was it for you to use this money that you've been saving and throw it all into something that let's be honest, this was 2008 doggy daycares were not popular. You're like the original gangsta of you and, know doggy daycare businesses. And the worst part was it was the beginning of the recession, Ouch. <laughs> which didn't help either. Um, you know, I remember driving into work when we first opened and watching the gas prices tick up and up and up. And I'm like, crap, what the hell are we doing? Why are we opening a doggy daycare now when if people are thinking about cutting budgets, cutting expenses, what's the first thing you're going to cut? And it's going to be doggy daycare. Um, and the first day I remember our first customer, I'm like, well, we have one customer. That's great. Now we just need, you know, 50 more and we can, you know, finally pay rent. Um, you just need to do it. Um, I remember the first, you know, our rent deposit was $10,000. And I remember writing that check to our landlord and that scared the crap out of me. Cause like that was, now we're in it. You know, I've just written you a check for 10 grand and I've never once written a check for that amount. I've never seen a check for that amount at the time. And yeah, it, it, let's just, let's say we were a 10 and scared shitless basically. You guys have made millions of dollars ever since, but how long did it take you before you felt like it was even financially picking up steam? You know, for the daycare, it took about six months to realize, hey, we have something here. That's pretty um, fast. You know, it was. And I think it grew fast because there weren't a lot of doggy daycares in Minneapolis. And that really helped us. But we also, we marketed it well. You know, we it, we wanted to be more than a business. We wanted to give back. But we also wanted to create a fun place, you know. So the first thing we did is we're going to hop on social media. We're going to have fun. We're going to post stuff about our dogs or post stuff about our customers um, and really try to make it more of a community rather than just a business. So six months and it's starting to feel like a real business. You're, you have momentum. During that six months, you just mentioned social media. Mm -hmm. What were the two or three key moves that, I mean, I really want to paint the picture. You started a business during a recession and this business wasn't even like in vogue yet, right? Like it is today. So what were the two or three key moves that you made to actually let people know this thing is out there? You know, we used a ton of Google AdWords. That's the one thing that really worked with us was online advertising that you can target specific people in a small, specific region that have a dog. Um, and that, I swear that's where our first 200 customers came from. And then we started obviously doing Facebook. I think we might have even had a MySpace page at the time, which that shows you how long we've been around. Um, we've since gotten rid of the MySpace page. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I, honestly, all the advertising we do is really online. But then with my radio background, we also know a lot of media people. Um, so it was really, let's take care of media people because that's the best form of free advertising you can ever get. Okay, let's go there because you're mm -hmm. the king. People need to know this, but you're the king of hijacking free media to the point where I get not just jealous, maybe a little bit pissed off that you get all of this great media. I'm like, how does he do it? So, and, and just so everyone knows, it's not yeah. just like free news spots. You were featured in the ad for FedEx, the national campaign mm -hmm. for it, for QuickBooks. I mean, you are, you are everywhere out there. How do you do this? Hook us up. You know, a lot, like the local media is easy. You know, I'd say most of those people have dogs. So honestly, we just reach out to them, you know, whether it's people we knew that I knew from my past or just new like news anchors, reporters or just anybody like, my God, I would hook up a camera person at a, at a local news station if they have a dog. Um, because, you know, what? when they need a story about dogs, who do they come to? 
but you can translate that into any type of business. It doesn't have to just be dog related. You just take care of local people. Um, and that's where it all started from. So we started, you know, we do stuff on Fox or NBC here. And then that snowballed to, I don't know how the hell QuickBooks found us. <laughs> um, but we got paid for that ad, um, which was cool as hell. Um, you know, QuickBooks came in, they shot a piece at our dog wash and it was cool. Um, I still don't know how they found us. I think they were just basically just searching around for cool businesses in different cities and somehow we popped up. And I really think it has to do with taking advantage of all the media that we've done and putting it on our website and really pushing it out, you know, throwing it on Facebook, throwing it on Instagram um, and just milking it for all it's worth. You said something that I'm not sure everybody picked up on. Mm -hmm. You said that you would seek out people in the media and mm -hmm. were you saying you'd literally give them like free doggy daycare in hopes that one day they would return the favor? Was oh my this God, a strategy? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, what does a dog, day of doggy daycare cost us? Nothing. You know, we've already got the staff there. We've got the space. Um, I will give anybody in the media free stuff just because that's what works. Um, when I was in the media, my God, we used to get ice cream delivered to the station all the time and they always would get plugs. That's brilliant. Um, I mean, listen, I consider myself a smart guy, but I've never even thought to send out free stuff to people in the media. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is you have to be careful how you do it um, because they can't technically take something free and plug you on the air. Um, so you just have to say, hey, why don't you come in and try daycare? And then most of the time they pick up on that. Um, but yeah, you know, people love dogs. And anytime that they need to fill a news block – it normally ends up with dogs or just some other fluff piece. And I remember there was one time they sent out, it was the Fox station here in Minneapolis. They sent out their political reporter and it had to have been a slow news day because they did a live shot from our doggy daycare talking about the top 10 dog breeds in the country and what makes them great. <laughs> <laughs> They're desperate for news. Oh my God. Can you tell it was, I mean, he was even laughing about it. He's like, I don't even know why I'm here. Oh my gosh. Um, hey, it's exposure for you though. So should people pursue this? I mean, is this, how big of a role did this play in your, you know, rocket ship of success that you guys are on? I honestly think that's one of the reasons we're really successful because we know how to talk with media. We know how to use it, but also give them the story that they want. Um, you know, I'll say almost anything to get on TV. You know, you want me to talk about whatever the weather, I'll talk about it for five hours if you want me to, if it means you coming in and taking, doing a live shot at our, at our business. I'm racking my brain now, like what I could send to them and, and what they do stories on. Okay, so you, you could just send them Lori and see if they do the story on that. <laughs> Here's Lori for free. Do a story Pop on her. her in a box and see what happens. <laughs> All right, so um, next you guys decided, hey, a thriving, successful doggy daycare is not enough. Let's turn into serial entrepreneurs and start this thing called Bubbly Paws, which mm. I have to tell everybody out there is freaking epic. It's a self-service dog wash. So you you know bring your dog there and everything is right there for you to wash your dog. So it's nice and easy. You're not messing up the home. It's trendy looking. It's beautiful. It's, it's like walking into a trendy ice cream shop or a trendy store. You guys nailed it with this chain of bubbly paws. How has that business been different than the daycare? You know, what's nice is the businesses play well with each other, but it's two totally different audiences. Whereas our daycare customer... It's mostly, you know, people 25 or 30 and under, not married, maybe a baby. That's about it. Um, whereas the dog wash, we hit everybody. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, 
18-year-olds that love coming in with their dog that they just adopted because they're in college, up to 65, 75-year-old people that come in to get their dogs groomed. I mean, we hit everybody. So marketing that is so much harder. Which one's been more successful for you? Honestly, the daycare. Um, we've got the doggy daycare, which makes about, in sales, it's about a million dollar business a year. Um, and then we have our three dog wash locations, which are just a little bit slower than the daycare, but it takes three locations, a little more work. Um, but yeah, I mean, the daycare by far is a little more successful, but it's also been longer. So does, you said one feeds the other. If one mm -hmm. is less successful, is there a tipping point where you add more franchise locations to Bubbly Paws and all of a sudden that takes over as the dominant business or, or what's the future plan? The future, I mean, honestly, I'd love to see a Bubbly Paws everywhere. And funny, we're actually working on that right now. Um, that's in the works. I'm telling you but, out here. I, hey, we would put it right next to the house, your house, just to see Waffles every day. Waffles misses you guys, I'm telling oh you. Oh my God, I love your dog. So you're gonna franchise this out or what? You know, I hate the term franchise. Um, it's one thing that I, I don't think we would ever do. Um, but would we build more, but we own them? Yes. Um, I like being able to control it. Um, I don't know. I, I hate to always pick on like McDonald's, which I know you're super not healthy, but I know you've eaten McDonald's. Um, you go to one and one's incredibly run, you know, super bright, super clean, you know, amazing quarter pounder. Then you go to another one and it's just the biggest dump, the biggest dive and probably the worst food you ever tasted. Um, I, it's kind of, I think the control freak in me that comes out that says, you know what, if we're going to do it, we're going to own it. You know, we'll hire great people in each city, but it's going to be us. There's something to be said for that because, I mean, obviously I've known you for a lot of years, but you are mm -hmm. the special sauce, for lack of a better term. Uh, that makes all this tick. It's your personality. It's your ability. You get the free media. It's it's the culture that you create. Matter of fact, let's talk about that. Yeah. You guys have a great culture. And, and I want to paint the picture mm -hmm. again. Let's be honest for a minute. You're not exactly hiring people who have a dream of their career working for somebody at a doggy daycare or a bubbly pause. So they're sometimes transient employees. How do you create mm -hmm. such a damn good culture where everybody loves what they're doing and takes good care of, of everyone's babies? Yeah, like most of our staff, like we go after a bunch of college kids or right after college. Um, you know, we look for upbeat, fun. You know, a lot of times when we do interviews, it's great. You want to deal with dogs? That's cool. What else do you do in life? Um, you know, what are your future dreams? Like we've got one of our managers at our daycare right now who is in college. She plays, you know, soccer for the university here. Um, and she wants to go into training service dogs. Ironically, we bathe service dogs for the TSA at the dog wash. <laughs> of course um, we do. Of course we do. Why wouldn't we, you know? Um, so we have a contract with them to bathe their dogs. So I've connected her with our contact there to help her live her dream of what she wants to do. So now she's doing an internship this summer, working with the TSA, training some of their, their dogs that they use in the working field. That's incredible. So I think a lot of it's, you know, getting to know our staff. You know, we're not just a name on a piece of paper that signs their paycheck. Um, we want to be actively involved. You know, we could sit behind a desk every day, but I think it makes a difference of walking through the daycare. I can tell you which employee's broken up with somebody because I can even tell you what happened half the time. Um, just getting into their lives, getting to know them as people, and really just making a fun place that they want to work um, and really learning how to channel 
millennial employees, which is probably the hardest thing as a business owner to do. Let's talk about that real quick. It's <laughs> funny. Millennials have come up on 50% of my podcast so far, and everyone God. has a different take on them. What's your take on working with millennials right now? I think they're great. I think they're awesome. They're great to work with. You just have to know how to work with them um, and really just set the expectations and, you know, you need to have structure and you need to lay out what the structure is on day one when you hire them and when you start training them. You know, whereas if you give them an inch, they're going to take, you know, about a mile and a half. Um, but getting to know them, knowing how they work, how they tick and what they look for in jobs too. They don't just want a job that they're just going to go in, punch the clock and leave. You know, whereas if you can provide something rewarding and fun, um, we actually do at our dog wash, we do an extra bubbly award which is cool, where each employee nominates other employees. It's basically like an employee of the month type service, but they're nominating each other and saying why this person deserves to win an award. And then we obviously do gift cards and stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of neat, but they also can see what each other has written about them. See, that's exactly what I'm referring to, though. When I say, you're just so dang good at this. You don't have an employee of the month. You have a, a bubbly, <laughs> what was it? It's the extra bubbly award. Extra Chris. bubbly award. I, everything you do just has like this this extra touch on it that makes it a great place to work. It makes it a great place to bring your dogs. So that kind of leads I me think in. A lot of that, like we we channel like some of the bigger companies that we like. We follow like you know Lululemon a lot. We try to do like what they do and to kind of create the same type of culture in our stores. Or the other one that I really like that isn't as well known as Ever Eve, um, which sounds like a feminine product, but. <laughs> Um, it's a great clothing store who actually went, I went to high school at the same high school that the, the CEO went to and she's helped us a lot too. And just really trying to create that fun culture. And, you know, we take stuff from them and we all share. That's incredible. Yeah. Now sharing, giving back is a huge part of your DNA. It's, you know, giving to the pet community is literally what makes you guys tick mm -hmm. kind of paint that picture for us. You know, when we first started, you know, either business, we didn't want to just be a business. To me, talking about how much we make or what the daycare is made in sales each day, it bothers the hell out of me because I don't want to be known as that. Um, I don't want to be known as a place that just, oh, all they care about is making a profit. Well, there's plenty of big box stores that do that. That's not us. Um, but the one thing we really wanted to do is give back to the local pet community Um I think the favorite thing that we did was, and probably the biggest, was last Christmas we did the 12 strays of Christmas. And we teamed up with a bunch of local companies. So it was us, a clothing store, uh, a girl that makes doggy T-shirts, of course. Um, and each day for 12 days, we posted a different stray dog available for adoption on all of our social medias. None of the goal was to make a sale off of anything because that's not why we did it. Um, but we raised a crap ton of money doing that. And I think just the goodwill of all of us working together gave back to that rescue a lot. That's incredible. Give me another example of how you guys give back. Um, right around September 11th every year, we do what's called Hero Week at our dog wash. So if you're a quote-unquote hero, you know, whether it's, you know, fire, paramedic, police, you know, uh, armed forces, um, we don't even question it. You know, you come on in, do the bath for free. That's um, awesome. But if you're not a member of like the hero community, we donate $5 from every bath or grooming to um, one or two different organizations, one of which provides bulletproof vests for dogs in the Minneapolis area for like the police canines. 
Or we also would donate to a group that trains uh, service dogs for soldiers that have uh, PTSD. That's incredible. That, that's got to be one of the most rewarding parts of your success, I'm guessing. You know, I think that's what I love. I love writing those checks. And um, what was it last fall when we did it? One of our employees was actually in the National Guard. And we're like, hey, can we take a picture of you like in your army fatigues, you know, in the dog wash with your dog and use you as marketing? And she's like, I would be so honored to do that. And that's that's what it's all about. And she's like, not only that, she's like, I will tell everybody to come in. I'm like, that's that's all I want. You know, come on in, bathe your dog. Thanks for all your service. I don't care what you've done. You know, I don't care if you're a paramedic. I don't care, you know, if you're in the Marines. You've done something great for somebody somewhere, and I think that's just how we pay it back. Man, I am such a fan of yours for doing mm-hmm. that. Uh, seriously, I, I mean, that's why we're friends, because that's what makes well, you guys tick. And honestly, with that Hero Week thing, we purposely didn't send that to the media because I didn't want to look at it as we're milking that. You know, that th- this was just us doing it. Um, I think you draw in media for that, then you're just – it's like you're doing it for exposure, and that that's not the reason we did that. That was more just because we personally wanted to give back. I love that. You know, part of giving back the way you do it in a fun way could fall under the category of what I call social fun in order mm-hmm. to build your business. Um, obviously, that has a side effect of being a great cause at the same time, but you also do other things like sushi with your poochie and, and just these really fun things that highlight your business. How do you come yeah, up our new with these thing crazy now- ideas? Yeah, you know, we've done sushi with your poochie. Now our new thing is to do stuff at local breweries. I mean, who doesn't like dogs and drinking together? I'm a huge Um, fan. Right. I mean, like here in Minneapolis, there's a bunch of local breweries that have popped up and they're all dog friendly. Um, So we try to really do fun dog events. Um, Like we do a a yearly Halloween party for the dogs. Um, And that's outside one of our stores. Um, Yeah, we just – it's such a – our area is such a fun dog community that – we try to really not just embrace it, but really promote it. Um, for a while, we had a list of all the dog-friendly stores, like the Apple Store in Minneapolis is dog-friendly. You know, who knows that? Um, they actually have like Apple water bowls for the dogs. That's awesome. <laughs> right? I mean, I think just trying to help educate people, you know, like we, I love when new puppies come in and we can say, hey, here's all the cool stores you can go to. Um, yeah, and people love it. I think one of the things I loved the most about those when I used to live there was it wasn't just a chance to highlight your business and bring your pet somewhere. They were really good mixers, meaning you met other like-minded people that maybe you did business with or became friends with. It became a community. It is. I mean, you know, let's say you did like a sushi with your poochie. That's cool. But you're sitting next to five other people that all love their dog too. And people would just sit there for, I think the first time we did it, people were there for four or five hours. I'm like, really? That's the world's longest dinner. But... Um, yeah, people would just sit there and talk and it was cool. The dogs had fun. Owners had fun. And, you know, there's always a little alcohol involved too. So that's even more fun. (laughs) So we've only talked about the positive things so far, (laughs) you know, along your path of owning a business, being successful. I'm guessing there's been some massive hurdles. Well, of course. I mean, with any business, you know, there's always hurdles. Um, we actually just did an employee's happiness survey at both locations and we do it about every six months and we basically send out a form hey what what are we doing great what can what can we work on and I always dread getting that back because they'll always critique us too like we put ourselves out there you know what do you like about Keith what don't you like about Keith Um, so obviously that's a hurdle I mean that's just a personal hurdle but it's part of the obvious we're dealing with animals you know the chance of something going wrong is so high, especially at our doggy daycare. I mean, we have 110 dogs that come every day. 
And I would love to say that every one of those is so behaved, but of course incidents have happened. You know, nobody wants to call an owner saying, oh, Waffles just got attacked by another dog at the dog at the daycare and now we're on the way to the vet. I can't I mean, imagine making or getting that call. So give God. us an example of a couple of things that have like gone down. How'd you manage through them? Well, let's, let's just start with the worst day of our life there. <laughs> um, it was right after we opened our dog wash. And I think we'd been open maybe three weeks and it's about five minutes away from our doggy daycare. And I'll never forget our manager calling me three times in a row. And I'm like, it's weird. She never calls me that often. What the hell is going on? So I finally picked up and she's like, you need to get over here right now. I'm on the way to the emergency vet with a dog in my car who's not breathing. And I'm scheduled at the dog wash. I can't physically leave. Like I'm stuck there. Um, so I actually sent my wife over who was with me. I'm like, well, one of us has to go. You or me. Um, Trisha runs over there. Um, of course, the staff is visually, you know, visibly shaken because nobody wants to see this. Um, she made it to the vet. The, the dog ended up passing away. And Jeez. right. I mean, it was a seven month old bulldog puppy. And we're like, great. Now we need to call the owner. You know, not only are, do we take it personal, try delivering that news to somebody. Um, yeah. And then, of course, their instant reaction is to blame us. You know, what did you guys do wrong? What happened? And there's no way you can smooth that over. No, because it's an emotional moment. Mm -mm. When you no, are the I ones mean, in care of the dog, I mean. That's right. You trusted us with your dog and something went wrong. Um, How do you handle that mentally? Making the call, dealing with the, the backlash, getting through it. How'd you handle it? That was rough. I mean, honestly, that was probably the hardest day we've ever had there. Um, you know, thankfully, all of our video cameras in the in the rooms record. Um, and we actually went back and watched the video of what happened is, I mean, as hard as it was, you know, I just wanted to make sure we didn't do anything wrong. Or if we did something wrong, how do we fix it so it doesn't happen again? Um, to find out, you know, our staff, when they saw the dog fall over, it was a bulldog. And its name is Ralph. And just watched him fall over and within three seconds you saw one of our employees on the ground with him. So, I mean, knowing that, okay, we were right there. We ended up showing the owner the video of it too. I'm like, if you guys want to see it, you know, it's obviously rough to see, but we'll show it to you because we've got nothing to hide. Um, to find out that the dog actually had a medical condition that caused it. So, I mean, it wasn't our fault, but in their eyes, it's still our fault. Wow. I can't imagine. Uh, Sounds like you managed uh, through it though in the right way and you move on, right? You know, we did. I mean, honestly, half our staff went home that day. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'll come in, I'll work, you know, or we called in some of our other staff in earlier. Just where's the last place you want to be when that happens? You know, you don't want to sit there for three more hours working. You know, you need to get out. You know, it's it's hard on the owners, but it's just equally as hard on us because we become connected to the dogs too. Like they're like your kids. And yeah, that phone call, we've had, we had some rough phone calls with the owner on that one. And, you know, once we finally showed him the video, I mean, they obviously didn't blame us, but they weren't happy to see it. Gosh, I can't imagine. So I want to take this a different direction yeah. for a minute because yeah. you and I have something in common. And that is we work and own these businesses with our spouses. So you're in business with your, your <laughs> wife, Trish. And um, you guys just had a baby son. Congrats. Is he, oh, thanks. What, 13 hey, you need to come here and meet him sometime. I know. I know. Well, I tried. Remember about six months ago? 
Yeah, but he was been. I know. I got to get the whole napping schedule That's your own fault. (laughs) So let's talk about working with our spouses. Um, Is it challenging for you guys? Is it easy? How the hell do you make it work? My God, it's it's the best and hardest thing all at the same time. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love owning a business with my wife. That is the coolest thing, you know, I mean, because it's basically us getting to be together all the time and, you know, having fun. On the other hand, it's us together all the time. Yep. Um, like today, I'm like, can you just go do something? I just, I'm so sick of you. You just need to leave right now. <laughs> how'd she take that? <laughs> it, she stayed. Um, <laughs> so what no, do you, how'd you guys, set, like, how do you manage to <laughs> be coworkers and lovers at the same time? How do you separate that? How do you make that work? It's rough. I mean, so like a typical day, I'll get up at five in the morning. Um, I do, I do what's called office hours. So like I'll sit in our home office for probably like a half hour to an hour before the boy wakes up. Um, then obviously when he wakes up, it's dad time. Um, then I go to CrossFit and then whatever else we're doing for the day, like we have a nanny that comes for him during the day, but we have a hard and fast rule at five o'clock. We stop talking about work. And I think that really, really helps because it's, you know, what, what else do we have to talk about? I mean, we're together all the time. You know, our gossip is our staff. <laughs> um, you know, so I think really trying to separate it, like, okay, five o'clock or we're out to dinner. We're not going to talk about the daycares. And it's so easy to bring that stuff up, but we really try to disconnect. And honestly, I try to stop looking at emails at night. I try to stop doing things just because I want that time, whether it's, you know, with my wife or with our son, um, it just work just needs to end at five o'clock every day. So let me, so let me actually talk about that mm-hmm. right there. The, this hard stop of, okay, work's over. It's back to family and relationship time. Right. You have, you have a rule that you can't talk about work after five, but part of the, one of the best parts about a relationship is talking about your dreams and your goals and, mm-hmm. and what you're trying to grow and your business. If you're trying to grow. So does that count as talking about work or is that something you can still talk about together? It's a fuzzy area. Um, the other day we, we were actually approached by a large um, dog company that's opening a bunch of pet stores and they want to put our grooming services in some of their stores in the area. And I'm just so jazzed about it. It's a great opportunity for us. I mean, how would you say no to it? Um, but I know if I talk about it at home, it's taking away time from our son and I never want to put him in that position. I'm like, you know what, when I, when he's around, it's all about play, no work. Um, but when it's just myself and Trisha, my wife, sometimes we will venture like, Hey, what do we want to do? Like, where can we see ourselves? You know, right now we're in the process of buying a new house. It's, um, but that's also work related because you have to be close to work. Um, I don't know. I don't have a real rule on that one. You know, sometimes if it's about our dreams, we'll talk about it. You know, it's, one thing that you just have to do, but we try to, if it gets down to like the nitty gritty about day-to-day stuff, that's when we stop. Would you recommend people enter into business with their spouse? Would you say this is a good idea, a bad idea? I think it's a great idea, but I think you just really need to have a clear definition of what each person does. Um, whereas my wife loves to do a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff. Um, Whereas I love dealing with people. I will talk to people all day. You know, put me in one of our, our stores and let me go. So you play um, your strengths. Right, exactly. We, you, you know what each other can do and what each other wants to do. 
Um, you know, quite honestly, me sitting here doing QuickBooks on the computer is the most boring thing in the world, and I hate doing that crap. Um, but my strength is obviously talking to people and having fun and, you know, interacting with our staff and making sure that stuff's going well or dealing with our social media. That's what I love doing, whereas Trish is more, you know, she'll pull up the sales. Okay, look, at we sold this, we sold this, we sold this, you know. What was that? Why was that returned? And just really analyzing more of the back end stuff. And that's what she's so great at. And I have no dream to look at spreadsheets all day. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I look at Lori and I and our, our working relationship, and we've done the same thing. We've identified clear cut roles where we get to play to our strengths instead of trying to learn or do the things that don't come naturally to us. And that's one of the best things, if you choose to recognize it, about working with a significant other is if you divvy it up based on strengths, it can really flow pretty well. Well, and I, I won't forget the first time that I tried, my wife does payroll all the time for our staff and you basically take the amount of hours they worked and enter it into uh, the payroll company we use. I mean, how hard can that be, right? You know, you look at, it's all electronic. Okay, you know, Jamie worked 12 hours this week. Okay, enter 12 hours and here comes their paycheck. Great, easy. So she was sick. I'm like, oh, I'll just do it. It can't be that bad. I ended up paying one of our staff like an extra 42 hours because she forgot to clock out. <laughs> nice job. Did you take it right. back or did well, you say here's a bonus? Well, I didn't know that she went through and compared like what they're scheduled to what their clock time is. I don't know. Just copy numbers. It's easy. Um, with that one, we actually gave them the option like, hey, you can write us a check back. It was obviously my mistake. Um, either write us a check back or um, – keep it and we'll just take it out of your next paycheck. She ended up writing us a check back because she's not responsible. So. <laughs> Would have spent it. That's funny. So it sounds right. like the key is this. Play to your, your strengths if you're working with your significant other and have really defined, I mean, firm office hours that separate family time, spouse time from work time. You have to do that. I mean, if you don't do that, you're going to be working all the time. I mean, of course, there's nights where I'll stay up at you know, nine or 10 o'clock at night doing stuff, but those are so few and far between, you know, it's, you have to have your alone time. You have to be able to do what you want to do on the side. Like, honestly, my, my favorite time of the day is going to CrossFit and I will do that almost every day. And that to me, that's, we don't talk about dogs. We don't talk about work and it's just me. Yep. You gotta have your own life so that you stay interesting to your spouse. If you're working together and then hanging out together, like you have to go out and carve out this other life. I feel like. Well, when I joined that CrossFit, my wife, my wife goes there too. And she's like, you cannot go at any of the times I go because you need your own friends. <laughs> it's true. You know? I mean, it, it's totally true. brilliant for saying that because that's one of the most important things I think to making uh, working slash lover relationships work. And that is carving out your own life so that you mm -hmm. don't turn into a, a couple of twins of each other that are uninteresting. Well, I think what helps is like, we've got two totally different personalities. <laughs> Which I think that helps a lot too. But yeah, I mean, seriously, you, you need alone time and you need like separate time. And we work so hard at that. So let's talk money a little bit. Mm -hmm. You've always been financially motivated or is this success something new to you? No, I always have been. Even when I was in radio, um, well, I first had a lemonade stand when I was four and did that for about 10 years. And Born uh, entrepreneur. Right. So we were born in that. My dad um, owns a property management company in Chicago. So I think that really pushed me. Um, but when I was in college, um, my mom worked for a radio station in Chicago and she asked, she's like, Hey, can I get you an internship at my station? Which by the way, would have been a kick-ass station to work at, um, just nationally known. But I'm like, no, I want to do this on my own. I I'm going to go find my own internship. I don't want stuff handed to me. That's my biggest thing. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. 
Um, so instead, I got an internship at a small station in Chicago, and hey, it worked. But I've always been driven by money. Like I would do endorsements, you know, hey, it's Keith talking about, you know, Swiffer wet jets. And you obviously get paid for that. I would talk about anything on the radio because it was extra cash in your pocket. I mean, it was also extra work, but I mean, I'd talk about stuff that I've never even used. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, when I lived in Cincinnati, I did endorsements for Swiffer. My whole apartment was carpet, including the kitchen. <laughs> awesome. So, oh, but hey, you know, they were paying 150 bucks every time you talked about it. I'm going to talk about it. That's incredible. Oh. So where'd this financial so, yes. motivation come from? Is it is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it your upbringing? I honestly think it was my upbringing because I think, you know, my family was well-to-do, but it was never, hey, what do you want? Like you always had to earn it. Like we always had, you can either, here's a dollar, you can either take the dollar, spend it or save it. And I would always save it. And I think it's just the way that I was brought up. You just, there, there's something about saving and earning your own money that makes you feel really good. So is money a good thing, a bad thing? I mean, how would you classify your relationship with money? How do you view it? <laughs> it's an okay thing. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, obviously, we love being financially secure, but I don't like to depend on it. Um, so that's why we keep working every day to try to, you know, keep what we have. And, you know, obviously we want to give it to our son, but I don't want to nickel and dime everything. I don't want to be like, okay, this costs, you know, $10. Can I find it cheaper? Well, I don't know, maybe. But on the other hand, I also don't want to spend exorbitant amounts of money for stuff I don't need. So what's your advice to people out there? They're starting a business. They've got fears around money. I mean, how do you, how do you have this feeling of security and abundance? You know, I think if you have a dream and you have a goal, you need to go all in and just chase that goal and that dream. Um, if you start half-assing it, like let's say you want to become a personal trainer and you're a personal trainer slash, you know, waiter at the restaurant slash, you know, valet parker. Well, all th you're slacking on all three of those jobs. Quit your two jobs, go all in on your personal training, and I think the results will come faster. I love that. That's such we a did. great piece of advice. Just go all in. You know, when we opened the daycare, I tried working another job in at the radio station at the same time. And you know what? They were both slacking. Like I was I was mailing it in every day at the radio station. I was mailing it in every day at the daycare. And it got to the point of something's gotta give. First of all, I'm killing myself you know, just working, you know, 12 or 13 hour days, but also I'm not doing what I should be doing. You know, I'm standing, I'm working at the radio station thinking about the daycare. So and, in other words, yeah. doing one thing really, really, really well, will probably yeah. end up more financially successful than pursuing two or three great ideas, but it's kind of a scattered mess. That's it. I think that's, you hit it right on. Yeah. You're perfect. The way you explained that you're so much better than me. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that by any means. Okay, so let me ask you this. Two more questions. Yeah. Um, before I get to the last one, where yeah. can we find you? Everyone's going to want to check this out. Yeah, um, I just made my own website for the first time, which is really cool. It's not really launched yet. It's uh, PetTechGeek.com. PetTechGeek.com. <laughs> um, Love it. PetTechGeek.com. I'm trying to get into the head. I want to really start video podcasting, and that's my new, my new goal. It's basically my passion that I'm just – that's what I want to do for fun. Um, so I want to do like – video reviews of like the latest pet products. Um, you know, just, just for fun, just to do it. 
Um, but yeah, you can go on there. Um, if you go on Facebook, it's just Keith Miller because there's like 10,000 Keith Millers. Um, but go to PetTechGeek.com and there's links to everything on there. I love it. All right. So last question. I ask this to everybody and I get mm -hmm. all sorts of different answers. <laughs> Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? That's a really good question. And, and I know you told me this question ahead of time and I really tried to think of a great answer. Um, <laughs> I think if you work hard and you create money, that's a great thing, but you also have to be responsible with what you've created. You know, are you giving back? Are you taking care of people that might not have what you have? Um, you know, do you tip well? Do, you know, do you take care of the people that take care of you? I think it's really, it's great to have money, but you have to do good things with it. And you really have to give back to basically everybody. Oh, I love that. I love that. Take care of those How's that less for fortunate than you. That is awesome. I love it. All right, Keith, my man, I miss you guys. I can't wait to uh, get back to Minneapolis sometime soon and see you guys. Awesome, dude. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.